0: Hey everyone, my name is Nathan Forster, and I'm asking the big questions of authors and activists, scholars and survivors, poets and priests, therapists and theologians, and basically everyone in between. This will be a resource for people who, deep in their bones, think that surely God's kingdom is deeper and wider than the box we've sometimes put it in. And so what better way to discover this than by learning people's stories and their specialities. In order that we deepen and widen our perspective on faith, community, society, and life. So, journey with me as we go deeper and wider. In this episode, we are going to talk about the intersection of Christianity and sexuality. We're going to talk about this topic as there is still a lot of taboo in some church circles when it comes to this very topic of sexuality and sex. Despite sexuality being part of our human makeup, we don't talk about it. And instead, there is often shame around sex and sexuality, especially as it relates to faith. However, God made sex. God made sex good. And there's a whole book even, erotic love poetry in the Bible. And as we will come to see, the connection between sex and spirituality, is deeply interwoven in the scriptures. And so to explore this topic, we're going to talk with a sexologist, Sandra Basham. Sandra is a Christian and an accredited pastor for the Foursquare Church of Western Australia, a practicing counsellor and also a qualified forensic sexologist. She is currently undertaking a PhD to further her research into sexology. She has a private practice where she specialises in sexual trauma and abuse and relational sexual problems. Previously, she has been a senior lecturer in humanities and social science and was previously on the board for the Western Australian Sexology Society. She also knows quite a bit of Hebrew, and you'll hear her incorporate Hebrew into this topic as it pertains to today's episode. Now a couple of things I want to say before we get into the interview. We do discuss sexual trauma, and so I want our listeners to be advised of this before getting into the episode. Likewise, because we are having a frank conversation on sex, please be mindful that this might not be age-appropriate for some people who might be listening around you, to be mindful of that. Finally, Sandra does talk about sexuality as it pertains to LGBT+ both explicitly and implicitly, in some of the answers she gives. I want to acknowledge that different listeners might have different theological and ethical views as it relates to this very broad topic. So, for example, some of our listeners might have a stance that welcomes sexual minorities into the life of the church, however not affirm their relationships between such peoples, having same-sex relations. Whereas other listeners will say that, in addition to sexual minorities being welcomed into the life of the church, same-sex relationships as well, that are grounded in committed and lifelong covenant, can be faithfully incorporated into the life of the kingdom. Likewise, some listeners might have different views on transsexuality, which is very briefly discussed in this episode. All in all, I want to be upfront and say that this episode is not exploring LGBT+. In any great detail. You will notice that I don't go down any of those rabbit holes in this episode. Because this episode is about focusing on the more broader connection between sex and faith. It was tempting to go down those rabbit holes. And I think if we had gone down those rabbit holes, it's possible we might have had very different points of view on this very topic. But I deliberately chose to stay on the much more broader topic. An episode on LGBT plus and faith will be discussed in another episode later on. Now, for resources on the topic of LGBT plus and faith, and also where I stand on the topic, I recommend you watch a YouTube video called A Conversation with David Gushy, San Francisco. If you'll type that in and watch that video, that's very informative on that topic. However, that's not what we're talking about today. And so with those disclaimers, I'm excited to share this interview In fact, I was surprised, as even though we did focus on the topic of sex and faith, it opened up the deeper questions on what discipleship is, what it means to be human, and what it even means to be church in the world. So here is today's episode with Sandra Basham. So tell our listeners about yourself. What's your faith journey?
1: Well, it's a convoluted uh, up, down and all over the place, wandering in the wilderness, coming into the promised land, going through a drought, uh, going to the desert places, going back into the promised <laughs> land. Uh, yeah, like any Christian uh, that I know anyway, yeah. um, my faith journey started as a very young child. Uh, when my family left Africa, because we lived in South Africa and Ghana. Yeah, right, okay. And we ended up, when my mother remarried, in a, a small town called uh, West Kirby, which is not far from Liverpool, and I was enrolled in an Anglican school with my older sister, and it just fascinated me, this this beautiful, almost Norman. It's got some Norman relics in it. You yeah, know?
0: right, okay. And
1: Viking stuff pre-Norman, it's got this beautiful, big wooden vaulted ceilings and everything at St. Bridget's.
0: Mm. And
1: we'd go to church every day and we would uh, say the Nicene Creed and yeah. we would pray our Father and it, it became, uh, it's, I used to have memories of it when I got older, of yes. this, this incredible space where uh, it was holy and awesome and at the wow. same time it was safe. Mm. Uh, and then we migrated to Australia, and so my parents weren't Christians. Yeah, they'll stick you in a Christian school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> something might rub off. You might become this lovely, compliant child yeah, who's so you're obedient and, and, and mm. just does everything right, and, uh, yeah, they were deluded. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but that's what happens. Sometimes people who have nothing to do with Christ, mm. you know, like we had a a Bible that my stepfather had in the bookshelf and he never read it. The only person (laughs) who read it was me and it was in King James, you know, and it was like, can somebody translate this for me, please? (laughs) But yeah, it was interesting. So I had these Dutch next door neighbours and uh, they took their kids to either a Baptist church in Bayswater or Church of Christ in Bassendine. And I can remember Church of Christ in Bassendine And singing hymns Mm. and singing uh, children's uh, gospel songs. And just the feeling of being in that place, it's like you can forget theology. Mm. You can forget uh, people. You can forget lots of things, but you never forget the presence of God.
0: Wow. Yes.
1: And it was something I sensed there at about eight. Or nine years of age, and I would go with my neighbours for a couple of years at to the to the Sunday school, mm. and uh, I was very curious. and And I remember, I think I might have been nine years of age or something. And my parents bought me a Ten Commandments charm bracelet. Yeah, right. Okay. Because they saw that I was interested in spiritual things, but of course. Um, That belied what was going on in the family. So Mm. when things became really violent in the home and very abusive, I started to question, well, God, if you love me, where are you? And I can remember lying in my bedroom, looking through the, you know, open the curtains a bit and almost self-hypnotising, looking at the street lamp over the road, praying to God, going, God, if you stop this X, Y, Z, Mm. I'll serve you the rest of my life. Mm. And you know, when you're when you're ten years of age, mm. you're not quite sure what you're saying. But you know, it's like, oh God, I'll even be a nun.
0: Yes. Um, you yes. know,
1: because you don't have any concept of what different versions of Christianity are. Mm. So the disappointment for me was, um, at the time, God did not stop. Yes. Yes. The the violence and the abuse. And so I I stopped going to Sunday school at about 11.
0: Yeah. And was it a direct result of this that you had yeah, this pick God God let mad at God let you down. God,
1: you say you love me, you let me down. You left me in that family and I got dreadfully hurt. Mm. And then, you know, you get to 15, 16 and your parents are some of the first in Australia to do the do it yourself divorce and it's acrimonious and mm. Uh, you're just so unsafe in the skin you're in and so traumatised. And so, yeah, I, I wandered off in the wilderness, the real lost sheep. Mm-hmm. And it would have been, I would have been about 19 and 20 when I was doing my undergraduate uh, Bachelor of Education at what is now Curtin University. Mm. And when I was really pissy and mad at God mm. and everybody else, I inevitably would find myself in um, the prayer room in the architecture building. Yeah, right. And listening into people. Or they had another common room, which was in the education building. And I met a Christian there who um, actually never really witnessed to me. Yeah, right. Just told me what I was doing was wrong. Right. And I thought, great, fabulous, fantastic. (laughs) Jesus loves me, right? Mm, Um, Yes. Mm. And it was funny. It took about God'sidence because when I did walk into a church, she was at that church, and I said, you didn't tell me about this.
0: Wow. Wow. Yes.
1: It was quite interesting. But uh, for two years, I I sort of, because I'd studied Middle Eastern history. Yes indian history chinese japanese uh, as a history teacher yes. rather than european everyone knows european history europeans think they're so clever <laughs> um and so i did middle eastern which meant reading the quran reading the tanakh or the old testament the mm-hmm. new testament meant reading the vedas mm. bhagavad-gitas buddhist writings stuff like that so i read yes. all of that
0: stuff. yes yeah wow
1: and uh i figured the bible had the answer but I didn't know where the answer was. And this mm. is what the Holy Spirit's role is. So yes. I read the Bible cover to cover for about two years from about 19 to 21. Wow. I knew the answer was in there. But for the life of me, I couldn't figure out where mm. where it was. What do you do? Yes. What do you do? <laughs> yes. And I used to have the um, J-Dubs and Mormons knock on the door. And I'd spend time going, no, the Bible does say that. <laughs> it was quite <laughs> funny. Uh, it was quite funny. Yes. And, um I was working um, around 21. I was working with this woman. Um, she was, wait for this, hmm. Anglo-Indian Portuguese.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Who married a Arab-Israeli-Italian <laughs> and whose children were born in Kuwait. My goodness. See, multinational, mate. Multinational. Yes. Yes. And um, she <laughs> just kept asking me, you yes. know. To go to church and she'd ask me about my life and she'd say, oh, I'll pray for you. And I'd go, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> uh, you mm. know, as you dismiss things. Yes. And yet you're curious about it. But she had something. She just...
0: There's some life to her. Oh,
1: not just life. She, she had this calm. Wow. She had this glow. She had this beauty. And I couldn't explain it. Yes. And so I had some stuff not go particularly well in my life. Sure. Um, I'd had a broken engagement, which shattered me Mm. um, for many years. And then um, another broken relationship, I just took a risk. Yeah. And then I went, oh, no, I can't do this. And Mm. so, yeah. And I reached a point where I'd, I'd been reading and reading. I knew the answer was there somewhere. I'd read this Bible cover to cover and I couldn't find the answer. And I just thought, well... Here's this incredibly beautiful, attractive person who's safe. I can tell her anything and she never judges me. Mm. So I said to her, oh, by the way, XYZ name, um, Mm. I'm coming to church with you on Sunday. Mm. And this would have been in about October 1981. And I walked into Vic Park Foursquare Mm. and Tom (laughs) Whitaker... Who's like my pop a bit? he, he He's was wonderful. my pastor for yes. 29 years. One of the most gorgeous, trustworthy, safe men I've ever met. Yes. Um, and funny. Yes. And uh, wise. And yeah, I don't even remember what he was preaching on, but I remember at the end of that, he said, um, anyone want to receive Jesus? Man, I was out of that seat and running so fast. Yeah, Wow. You would not believe how fast. Yes. And I can remember they had this, um, it's an old-fashioned sort of church, and you had the altar dais and that, and we had curtains behind with the baptismal font down the back. Yep. And I, I was in that back room there, and um, a couple named Garth and Mary were praying for me. Hmm. Um, and I don't know what they were praying. I was just in tears. and voices wow. And I had all my eyes shut, but I had this sense of this this incredible strong light. I've never, ever seen anything like this.
0: Mm. It was Mm. almost
1: blinding. I had my eyes shut and I could feel it start and it went right through me to the floor and came back up again. And I'm thinking, I'm just, you know, talking praising god and everything you're going mm. that's it dear just keep going just keep going and i'm thinking what the hell are they on about
2: <laughs> yes you
1: know because i came from anglican yes no one talks to you about pentecostal churches you know it's <laughs> no, they like don't. these people with their hands up in the air and happy clapping yes. and making these to, funny noises I the and, doors I thought, closed.
0: Yes. and i thought to
1: myself what the heck have i got myself into here <laughs> but it was safe yes and nobody judged me. you got to remember, I walked into church wearing a mini skirt, mm, a wow. crocheted cardigan yes. with a little bird named Cecil, a brooch, poached, wow. on my shoulder. I had really long hair, really hippie, lots of makeup and bling. And yeah. not one person looked at me and said, you look like a hooker.
0: <laughs> so they didn't say that? No. Yeah, yeah. Nobody good.
1: actually said anything yes. wow. to me. Wow. I was so welcomed. And that was October, and by December... I had somebody that was this crusty old lady I will mm. I will cherish beyond death. Yes. Yeah. And she came up to me and she said, So, what are you doing for Christmas? <laughs> and I just sort of said, Oh, I don't know because my family have rejected me.
2: Wow.
1: Um, wow. You know, they didn't really speak to me once I became a Christian. They thought I'd joined the orange people or some cult or something. Mm. <laughs> and so... Not only did I go to her place, but I stayed in that church. And I stayed there because I was a sinner and I was welcome. Wow. And nobody judged me. Yes. And that, oh, gee, 39 nearly years later has yeah. had such a profound impact. Yes. I've wanted to maintain that non-judgmental, mm. merciful, welcoming stance in my own approach in working with people.
0: Wow. Yes. in
1: counselling of therapy. So, yes, and I've been part of um, Foursquare for all those years, mm. um, had the same pastor for 29 years, served on the board of directors, mm-hmm. which I don't do anymore, but, you know, done a lot of governance work and stuff for them. Yes. But um, I'm in a small church now. I tried the big church thing. Hmm. Um I don't know whether it's just age and getting wiser or I just want more substantial relationships. Yes, yes. And I want something more than being spoon-fed. Yes. I, I want some spiritual maturity in the people I hang out with. Yeah. So that's sort of my journey. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because that journey of walking with Jesus mm. and other people is is a real parallel of the Exodus story. Sometimes you wander in the wilderness and whinge and complain. Mm -hmm. I just don't want the ground to open and swallow me up, you know, because I'm saying God's not who he says he is, because you die in the wilderness if you do that.
0: Mm, Wow, wow.
1: So, yeah, and so I've been exposed to all kinds of interesting people. My best friend in high school was gay. Um, Mm -hmm. Beautiful, gorgeous, kind, funny friend. We had so much fun. Mm. Um, and of course, traveling with my, my mother and stepfather through Asia met a lot of transsexuals, transvestites, all kinds of things like that. Yes. Um, and even in the church, it's, Mm. you know, like I've been part of the same basic fellowship for many years, but we had, um, same sex attracted people and intersex people Mm. and people who were struggling with pornography mm. and had been adulterous or beaten their wives or had served time in jail for mm, violence. Wow. And, wow. and so it's like sin, sin. Mm. So what I do um, in working with people is is that's the approach I take. I don't think that some sins are worse than others. Mm,
0: mm. And it sounds like you see even beyond beyond sin and actually to their inherent worth as a person well, made in god's image
1: well that's exactly it because if my worth is determined by the body and blood of jesus christ he says my worth is that mm. Mm. i might not agree with it i might sabotage myself i may do stupid things mm. i may struggle with uh myself or mm. my failings or whatever but Jesus comes along and says, yep, you're mine. Yeah. This is what you're worth. You're worth my death. You're worth my body. You're worth my blood. Yes. And you're worth the resurrection. So you're going to have another life. And Mm. yeah, I'll walk with you. Let's yeah. do this thing.
0: It's beautiful.
1: Um, that's a person's worth. So, whether a person is walking with Jesus yet or not is beside the point. Mm. Their worth is determined by God, not me. Yes. And not by doctrine mm. of men and yes. not by tradition of church.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, wow.
0: no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, so, tell us your story about how you came to be interested in the intersection of sex and faith. I mean, you've oh, touched wow. on some of the experiences, but if you can unpack um, it all a little bit more.
1: It, it's really weird because, you know, I'm a baby boomer, right, but my parents never told me anything about sex, sexuality and stuff, but yet they exposed me to intersex people, trans, mm, yeah, you're people or cross-dresses, whatever you want to call. Uh, all this stuff, I've been exposed to people and, you know, me, here's me at 16 saying to my, my really good mate, and I'd go, so, Reg, you're gay how did gay guys do this?
0: Mm. (laughs) Yes, it was this fascination there. Yeah,
1: it was curiosity more than anything. It wasn't a morbid thing, but, you know, and I'd go, I don't understand because, you know, sex ed in schools is not sex ed. It's more about don't get STIs, don't get pregnant and don't have fun and don't enjoy yourself because it's a really bad thing. And, you know, and the church says nothing to counter Mm. that. Mm. And my experience um, in church, in youth leadership, um, has been that I've had people say things to me that they've struggled with fantasy, they've struggled with masturbation, they've struggled with um, being attracted to somebody else when they're married, yada, yada. And these are Christians. Mm. And they had nowhere to go.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: And I didn't have the answers in mm. my 20s. Mm. I'm not so sure I had them in my 30s. <laughs> but, you know, it's... The church is silent mm. on sexual topics unless it's about um, fornication, you know, and premarital sex. They'll say, don't do that thing. But then i 't tell you what you can do. Mm. And then i not tell you why not to do it. Mm. You know, as if God, the great almighty smiter, is going to smite you (laughs) if you have that thought, you know. Um, So you can go through church experience as a young adult and not know what your sexual boundaries are. Yes. Let alone how to help somebody else, a girl who comes to you and says, well, I used to have an active sex life before Christ and now I'm really struggling with masturbation. What do I do? And I'm sitting there going, Mm. (laughs) because... You're not equipped. Yes. And so if we all got here because our parents had sex and hopefully they enjoyed it, Mm. what makes sex the big taboo thing if God invented it in the first place? Yes, yes. You know, if God gave um, Adam and Eve the genitals that every human being has, then Eve had a clitoris and has capable of of orgasmic, pleasurable sex. Mm. And so she was having sex before they sinned and i'm sitting there thinking god didn't just plonk on orgasm after the fall and said by the way don't do that thing that's real pleasurable and fun and really bonding and releases all these pheromones and bonding hormones and oxytocin and that yeah don't do that because (laughs) that's sin, you know it's it's it's
0: doesn't it's make sense. Hypocritical. Yes. It's hypocritical.
1: It's an oxymoron. Yes. So yes.
0: And then we shame it. And then we shame yeah. any.
1: And, you know, one of my closest friends, even in my early church days at Vic Park, struggled with same sex attraction. And I, I, I just go, so where do you go to get help for this? And there was basically nothing. Mm. And so it bothered me because mm. um, people just would come and tell me stuff.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: And it'd be like, oh, what do I do with this? I don't know. And I, I, n- and I'd read the Bible cover to cover, looking for some answers. Mm. And the answers are in principles. They're not in, "Thou shalt not." Yes,
0: it's more like the the vibe, yeah. the, the themes it, of scripture. It's, it's
1: yes, owning and possessing your body in a way that's respectful to Christ mm. and to yourself and to other people, and not using people. Yes selfishly so yeah yes that was um that was that was quite a journey Mm. for me Mm. you know and then being involved with regent college and my kids going there and and um being on the board there even though i wasn't a riverview person Mm. um that was interesting because you you were privy to some of the things they were talking about in terms of books they were going to use and i'm going eh. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not so sure so it, it sort of it just kept coming up and being shoved in my face yes yes and because I'm not a person who's easily embarrassed mm. as you've probably noticed <laughs> yes uh it just kept coming up I've got to do something about mm. this and I'd been a high school teacher I'd worked in um photography specialization stuff I'd I'd done administration is cool and that. And it's funny, once my kids were a bit older, I thought, I want to go back to study. Because mm. um, I'd done Bible college in the early uh, 1980s. Uh, Lutheran course, yeah, as well right. as a four-square course. Yeah,
0: fascinating.
1: So, I, yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um,
0: mm.
1: And I thought I'd start with parenting. Mm. And so I did some training in um family systems theory parenting stuff yeah. like that and, and did trainings through mm-hmm. through the church as you know testing yeah. testing testings by the water's <laughs> testing <laughs> yes uh, and and i focused a lot on being a good enough parent mm. to my own children and and being honest with them about their bodies and boundaries and things like that but then it still just kept coming and I thought, okay, and it would have been um, after I did a, a, a counselling and family therapy, um, like a post-grad thing, mm. and I did that and I thought, well, what am I really interested in helping people with? And at that time, I just got a job at what was uh, Incest Survivors Association as like coordinator. Wow. And emergency counsellor. Yes. And so people are coming in with these these traumatic sexual stories. Yes. That so relate to their identity. Mm. You know, am I a total freak? Am I weird? Does God hate me, you wow. know? Um yeah, I'm God's reject. All this sort of stuff, wow. I'm damaged goods. Um nobody will ever love me. Stuff like this and you sit there and you think, okay, so the church is meant to be the answer and the church has the answer but we're not even listening to the questions.
0: Wow, yes.
1: And I thought, well, I'm going to do something about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: so working there in a secular environment as a Christian mm. and being in charge of a team of people, I started training them mm. in how to deal with different religious groups yes, and different ethnicities and stuff like that. And it was a it was a it was a good place to work. I really enjoyed working there. It was um, challenging mm. and hard work. But while I was working there, I started doing. Um, I was in the first intake mm. at Curtin University for the Master of Forensic Sexology, which deals with sex offenders, sexual deviants, sexual yeah, crimes, right. victims of sexual crimes. Yes, because that's what I was doing. Yeah, as yeah. a job. Yes. Um, And I thought, well, I need the piece of paper to match what I'm already doing. (laughs) So.
0: Yeah, have the academics catch up with the practice. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: does sometimes. Sometimes it works the other way around. But yeah, so I did my master's degree at Curtin University and it's funny, once I'd finished that and I'd been working at ICE for a while, they had these other changes coming in and I kept getting asked to go do guest speaking at Table College and stuff Mm. and, um, And then when one of the staff, the head of department, was leaving to go work somewhere else in a much better paid job, Mm. she asked me if I'd take a job. And Mm. I went, oh, think about it. And I went, nah, don't want to step backwards Mm. sideways and this and that, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Yes. And I had a dream, a Psalm 1 dream, and God... Wow. He woke me up and told me that's where I needed to be planted. Yes, yes. And that's where I needed to um provide some shade yes and be that tree yes
0: yes um
1: for other people and i went okay i'll do that woke up the next morning resigned wow rang the head of table said i'll take the job and I started two weeks (laughs) later my goodness my
0: goodness
1: (laughs) it was really weird so that that's all part of the faith and professional journey and i've I've had a private practice small one since 2002 yeah And I take on people to keep my skills current.
0: Yeah, and so you've and it sounds like you've had all these pastoral experiences related to people discussing their their angst with their own sexuality or their angst with their own sex life. I still or their do, own, and you still do. I
1: still do. And
0: so for you, you wanted to grow to understand from a more how to actually be a person who can inform those areas theologically and pastorally. So that, that kind of launched you into that journey. Yeah, it did. Of it. And yeah. I suppose
1: that's part of the PhD too, mm. uh, except this time focusing on women mm. and women from shame-bound cultures where their women are taught to be ashamed of their genitals, embarrassed by menstruation because it's dirty, all this stuff that's in culture and other Um, sort of cultural traditions you know that that makes women think less of themselves Mm. and not look after their health and then wonder why they die from you know breast cancer or gynecological cancers which are the biggest killers of asian women by the way and so that's what i'm focusing on now and just really odd things i grew up with a lot of asians
0: yes Yes, yes.
1: So it, I, I don't think God wastes anything in his economy. Any of our experiences, we can look at our, our initial training and our undergrads and all the things we do in our training and think they look disconnected hmm. and, and disconfobulated and God comes along and goes, oh, by the way, that thing you did back there, I'm going to wow. use it now yes. and join it to that. Yes. So that's my journey with God and um,
2: yes,
1: I'm, I'm still... I'm still... Um, I can remember somebody saying to me, oh, you're not really a pastor because you don't pastor a church. And I said, really? Did <laughs> Jesus ever pastor a church?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You know, in the physical sense. Yeah, He yeah. pastored 12 disciples mm. and 70 others and that, but only for a short period of time. And I thought, we have a very limited view on what pastoring yes. and disciple making is. Yes. And and a, and a Mine very... is more in one-on-one and small groups. Yes, and in the small church on part of.
0: Yeah, and, and that we, we and we also have a problem with how we understand church, we see it very institutionalized, which is
1: Well Church is meant to be, from my perspective, it's meant to be a flexible a flexible breathing space of multiple pastures where the sheep of the Great Shepherd Wow. Can move from pasture to pasture as the shepherd leads them. Some he may leave in this field for a while. Others he leads to new pastures. Others he leads to a pasture where there's less threats, and he can monitor them because they're having kids. You know, mm. he gently leads those wow. young.
0: that's a that's a beautiful and and so eclectic way of looking at it. Yes,
1: he's the great shepherd. We are under shepherds, and under shepherds just do what they're told. <laughs> yes, and they know the sheep. Mm. You can't know all your sheep, if there's 10,000 of them. Yes, yes. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's... it's... I
1: don't feel comfortable in large churches yes, because yeah. I don't get to meet spirit to spirit with yeah, somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And you obviously have had these experiences where you can in these, I've these environments. I've been in a,
1: a reasonably big Pentecostal church as uh, unpaid staff. yeah. yeah. Been yeah. there.
0: Yeah, been there, done that.
1: Been there, done that.
0: <laughs> so what exactly are we talking about then when we talk about sex and sexuality? Um, is it just about the sexual act or <laughs> is it more than that? Uh, what are we talking oh, about when gosh, we talk about sex know, and faith?
1: I've had young people coming in my room, you know, talking about, uh, well, I haven't had sex yet. I'll give my boyfriend a blowjob or a handjob, but we haven't had sex yet. And I look at them and I go, were you touching genitals? Yeah. Was it pleasurable? Did you orgasm? What was your intent? Oh, you had sex. You mm. just didn't have penile vaginal sex. Mm.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, so, you know, when you're talking sex and sexuality, there's different things. So mm. I think it's probably better if we, if I break them yeah, down for do. you. Yeah, please do. Because you've got sex and sexuality in a biological sense. Like, what does your DNA say? That's mm. your gender. So there's three... Mm. Three biological genders
0: yeah right okay you have
1: male female and intersex they're biological Mm. okay you can't can't mess with that dna that's what is Mm. and then you've got your gender identity or your sexual identity so you could be born a male and identify as female which is Mm. a psychological construct then you've got sexual attraction, who or what, notice I said what,
0: mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> you
1: are sexually attracted to or get off on or fantasize about um, yes. or attracts you. It can be smell, taste, object, mm. all kinds of things. Mm. And then you've got sexual behavior, the things that you make a choice mm, to right. engage in. Yeah. The things that you do mm. with your body, with other people's bodies, hopefully by consent. So that's biological, right? Mm-hmm. But then you've got the psychological aspects mm. of sexuality, such as, you know, for Christians, are you naked and unashamed with your spouse?
0: Mm. Wow, yes.
1: I have met so many Christians who are terrified of being naked and unashamed mm. because somebody told them that their body wasn't beautiful enough, it wasn't skinny enough, tall enough, short enough, fat enough, their penis isn't big enough, The labor you're too big or whatever, you know, and they judge themselves by a psychological sense of constant shame and guilt about being a sexual being.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And the psychological sense, I'll explain a little bit more. Yeah, sure. And then you've got the spiritual sense of sexual and sexuality because as Christians, Mm. The original intent of being human was to bear the image of God Mm. in male and female. Mm. Notice it's male and female said to them have dominion. Mm. And so in a spiritual sense, sexuality between ideally, notice I say ideally because Mm -hmm. God created this ideal, Mm. then there was sin and Through sin comes death. So you have death to relationships, physical death, disease. You Mm. have spiritual death of relationship with God and others. Mm. So sex itself gets distorted. The original intent of sexuality and the human body gets distorted too. So in a spiritual sense, if we're talking as Christians, the ideal Christian thing is husband and wife and the two become one. Mm. So they become echad. Echad is a unity. It yes. does not mean a singularity. Yeah, right. This isn't about a meshment. It yes. means you are unified in body, in spirit, in your psychological being. You are so. Yes. It's like the perichoretic dance of the Father, Son, and the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah, That, that, that beautiful, dance. yes, beautiful dance mm. between, and that's the intent mm. of. That's the intent of how God made sex. You become unified with each other and mm. you reflect the image and the beauty and the unity of God, wow. Christ the church.
0: Yes.
1: So you have this echad, you know, if you're looking at the so letters. That's the
0: Hebrew word for, for yeah, one, isn't it? It's for one. Uh, one flesh. So you have yes. this
1: potential with God or without God, high for life. Wow. For your life, for what gives you life, what gives you energy, what nurtures you. And then you've got the Dalit which is a doorway of choice, and you choose. This is your free will.
0: Wow, yes.
1: And people choose. You choose to marry, generally. Mm. Um, so sexuality and spirituality are uh, incredibly intertwined mm. because our sense of self is so embedded in our... In our gender, in our sexuality, in our attraction, we we think that's who we are. Mm,
0: mm. Is
1: our sexuality? It's a part of who we are. Yeah. And the spirituality. Yes. And they dance. Yes, yeah, so as so, this as
0: interwovenness. Yes.
1: You know, the spiritual part of sexuality is 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 bearing the image of God. Mm. And God said before sin, He said, "This is really good."
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So who would have taught Adam and Eve how to have sex, how to pleasure each other? Mm. It's not in the Bible. Do you think God would have left them fumbling around (laughs) to just hurt each other and and see what happened? I think God's kinder than that. Mm. Um, Yes. So the purpose of sex is good. It's not just about, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Well, the word fruitful... Mm. If you go and you tie that to spiritually fruitful, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that's something else. Because multiply is about having children. Yes. So there's a part of your spiritual fruitfulness that comes from being in a space where you are unified with somebody else, physically, emotionally, sexually.
2: Mm.
1: And there's this whole thing through the Old Testament of so and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so, so -so yelled, 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 and This is where God elevates you, Mm. often through parenting. Yes, yeah so godly offspring he wants godly offspring but pleasure go to Song of Solomon I was Everyone, just, just going to say everybody talks about Song of Solomon as if it's a, a metaphor for Christ in the church and I, I often you've probably heard me say yep. yeah I can see Jesus having sex with his bride under the apple tree in the last chapter <laughs> really
0: <laughs> um, no I know what you mean it's like why can't we just be honest with that it's Jewish love poetry it, it's
1: it's, it's very erotic poetry and it talks about foreplay quite descriptively in it mm. and the metaphor um, in their... Uh, incredi- it's an incredibly sensual, yes. sensory book with yes. a lot of fragrances and lingerie and touch and, and words. Mm. And I look at it and I go, well, there's also when um, Leah and, and Rachel were fighting over who was having sex with Jacob that night. Now, these are women who mm. were unashamedly sexual. Yes. And they use mandrakes, which are slightly hypnotic. <laughs> so they believed in aphrodisiacs as yes, well. Yes. And so there's a lot of you know, even, you know, Sarah saying, Oh, shall I have pleasure again? Yeah. And she's right. ninety. Wow. You know, and we, we miss these positive messages mm. about human sexuality and pleasure and connection in the scriptures. Mm. So yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um how, Marriage how... is
0: yeah. Sorry. Marriage
1: got it. is beautiful, and the marriage bed is undefiled. That's what it says in Hebrews thirteen. Mm. So, if the marriage bed is undefiled, there's not a position for sex in the Bible.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: Okay. There's no position there. Yes.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: It doesn't talk. The closest it gets to talking about oral sex is in Song of Songs.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: But is are human genitals dirty? No. Mm.
2: So yeah, good.
1: you know, we we have these we make these dogmas up about yes. things like masturbation and stuff. None of them are mentioned in the Bible. Yes, yes. So yeah, that's that's the reason why I talk about sex and sexuality no, and, to and to initiate mm. a reflective or a contemplative conversation
0: yeah.
1: about how we bear the image of God and how we love.
0: Yes. How do yes. we
1: love? How do we view love? Is love an emotion or is love a spiritual joining?
0: Wow, yes.
1: It, what is it that keeps two people together? And I can only comment because I've got about 32 years of marriage. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Mm. My goodness. No, it's, it's so beautiful. I, I'm i trying to think. I, I, I It's probably a complicated history by I think to myself my goodness how is it that we miss this in the church the, the richness of scripture as it pertains to sex well, and sexuality because,
1: because the church became very patriarchal it, mm. it, it became a patriarchy where men said well I'm the head of the home you shut up get in that kitchen don't ask me questions and just let me hump you when I like
2: mm, dear. you know
1: mm. and women women came to see themselves as an appendage of a man rather oh. than his counterpart, his mm. ghetto, mm. his helper in the face of, against. Yes, um, yes. And rather than being this, this incredible creative counterpart mm. uh, who can ask and challenge and that it became, well, uh, the, the word headship got mixed up mm. in the New Testament with the word exusio, authority, mm. Mm. and it ain't that word. No,
0: no, no, it um, isn't. It so,
1: isn't. yeah... But um, well,
0: what is that word? Just if, if you know from the top of your head, like what would be
1: authority?
0: Yeah, but what would be a better meaning?
1: Kefale. Kefale yeah. is the word that's yes. used when it talks about headship, and Kefale is the is the parallel of the Hebrew word rosh.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. Which is
1: one of the first words of the Hebrew Bible. Ber roshit. Yes. Ber in, in the, the beginning. rosh, yeah. the origin, the blueprint, the design, mm. <coughs> the the. Beginnings of
0: Mm. uh,
1: sheep, all these things.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Barra, effortlessly created from pure, wild, nothing.
0: Yes, wow, wow. You know,
1: God together, Mm. him they. You know, it's just like people interpret scripture sometimes without putting it in the context of the old and they come up with these new meanings for New Testament words. Yes, yes. Kefale, so... Yeah, does not say exousia. Yes. And it's only husbands and wives. It is not single women, widows, yes. and girls. Yeah. I just sit there and I'm like, oh, shut it.
0: So when it comes to, I mean, it's a little bit off topic, but I'm curious though. Like, So when it does come to those verses in Ephesians, I think.
1: Yeah, um, Ephesians it, 5, wonderful. That's,
0: that's right. And uh, and that's the thing. It can be a very beautiful text, but it's often been weaponized by patriarchy. Well, of course
1: it has. Yeah. You know, think about some of the, the vows that change just in the common book of prayer and the, mm. the rites of service of traditional churches.
2: Mm.
1: When I married my husband, I didn't um, say I'd obey him.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I obey Christ. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes.
1: No, um... Christ is always going to be number one. Um, I will consult with, I might have a niggle with, <laughs> I might challenge, I might agree to, but mm. obey somebody if it's not godly, heck no. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and I'm not saying my husband's not godly. But they used to have these words in the some of the old pra- wedding ceremonies in, you know, with all my worldly goods I endow, and with my body I thee worship. Right. Mm. And to worship, as you know, the Hebrew word mm. um, means to work. Yes. And worship are the same thing.
0: Yes, that's right. Yes. You
1: work at your worship, and you worship at your work. Yes. And so I, th- I think that was probably a beautiful way of putting what it is between a husband and a wife.
0: Mm. Mm. My goodness, yeah. All right. So, yeah, no, it's it's beautiful.
1: So you asked me about why I do this, right? Yes, I've got a list. Yeah, yeah,
2: please. <laughs> I have a list. Yes,
1: to be relevant in a sexualized culture where kids learn about sex that neglects or avoids the spiritual meaning of sex and makes it into a measured performance, oh. you know, which is about pornographic and the body means everything and the spirit means nothing. Mm. That's one reason. Um, to have a reasoned and balanced answer to the pornified world.
0: Hm. Mm. Wow.
1: To be congruent with the belief that the church has the answers.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I like that. The congruent bit as well.
1: To invite sinners into a community of believers without judging them as too dirty to be cleansed and mm. giving them space for conversation. Yes. Wow. You know, that's... Jesus did that all the time. Hmm. But we want them to clean up their act and look straight or not look so weird before they come in our church. Mm. Or we don't want them in our church and we'll have them at a home group, you know. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, so, okay. yeah. Oh, man. No, that's, that's wonderful. So what are the, some of the taboo topics, sexual topics, we need to discuss in the church?
1: Okay, I've got another list. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> this is great.
1: Masturbation okay, you've got an infertile couple in your church and they've been taught that masturbation is selfish and sinful and you're depriving your partner of the the sexual energy and everything like that. Well, what if they're infertile and they need to produce a sperm sample to (laughs) go and get IVF? Come on, guys, show some mercy here. Where is the mercy and the grace?
2: Yes, yes.
1: Um, and then we've got to deal with the whole subject of sexual fantasy, such mm. as mainly men with pornography, though there are a lot of young girls looking at pornography now before they've even started menstruating
2: wow. and, mm. and
1: discuss pornography apart from shaming and demonizing because mm. porneia is basically an unclean spirit. I hate the word demon. Because mm. um, most of the the Greek translation of that is an unclean spirit. It's just something that's unclean. Hey, yeah. Jesus makes you clean. Yes. What's the problem?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Jesus makes you clean.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's sex toys, cosplay, mm. things like that. Things like bondage, discipline, and sadomasochism. Wow. Yeah. Is is that a is that a consensual thing, or is that about you're actually abusing your partner and getting off on it. Is that a psychological thing? Mm. No, actually having a decent conversation about that. Wow. You know, things like kink and fetish, um, people who like to, you know, um, dress up in rubber, be furries, cosplay, mm. who like who like um, lingerie mm. or, or like to play fantasies, mm. wear wigs, dress up. Mm. Um high heel shoes, mm. toes, foot licking. Mm.
0: Yeah, wow, yeah. Cross-dressing. Yes, yes.
1: Um, stuff like that um, because they're not mentioned apart <laughs> yes. from yes. Oh, bestiality zo- or zoophilia, mm. uh, incest um, and coprophilia, which mm. is sex with dead bodies. They're mentioned mm. in either the Bible or the Talmud. Yes. So... Um, But then you've also got um, sex with parents, which Lot's daughters raped him. They got him drunk and raped him. So, you know, do we talk about female sex offenders? Mm. Because they're out there. Mm. Um, Sex education for children. Mm. Um, We're just so busy saying, don't, 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 don't,
2: don't. And
1: we do not empower Christian children with a good reason to say not yet.
0: Mm, yes, yes, yeah. We don't. We don't actually offer a, a comprehensive yep, yep. Christian sexuality or, no, or we how don't. Do we approach. Sex.
1: Wait till I finish the PhD. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So then yes. you've got transgender issues, which is mm. a psychological construct, but it could be based on an undiagnosed intersex condition or androgen insensitivity. Sure. We've got things like that. Intersex. Mm. I've known people in church mm. who. ...are intersex, mm. and they are very careful who they tell.
2: Yes, Because yes.
1: they're scared somebody's going to demonise them, tell them, you know, they need to choose what gender they really are because God made them male and female in the beginning. And I go, yeah, and a lot's happened since the beginning and we're in a sinful world. Come on,
0: mm. up. Yeah, things are complicated. Um,
1: things like same-sex. Mm. Because we tend to talk about same-sex in relation to male homosexuality And I can remember teaching on homosexuality to a youth group in Perth that shall remain nameless. And I had some of the elders stand up and tell me, we can't have those people in our church because they'll abuse our children.
0: Oh, dear.
1: And I just said, well, actually, sir, the research says it's not homosexuals who abuse your children. It's generally men who identify as heterosexual who have a paraphilia. Wow. And a sexual attraction to children and they love the power and get off on it. And I said, I'm happy to send you the papers. Mm. Never got invited back.
0: Oh, okay, yes.
1: So, ageing and sex.
0: Mm, mm. yeah, no, and it's not talked about that much. No. At all. You know, uh-huh. because,
1: like, for, for many, many years in Australia, even in religiously run aged care homes, they mm. separate out mm. couples.
2: Mm, yes. Because
1: they don't have sex. Really? Well, if Abraham's 100 and Sarah's 90 and they're having sex, Mm. we've really got to rethink about ageing and sexuality and how to define, you know, if somebody can't get an erection, can Mm. they still be sexual and can they still have pleasure? Mm. And do we tell them they can't? Do we have a right to know what people do with what's in their underpants?
0: Yeah, good question.
1: We act like we do. Yeah, we do. We really do. mm Things like asexuality, people who aren't interested or sexually attracted whatsoever and they're quite happy to be Mm. single. Mm. But there's a difference between asexuality and chosen celibacy.
0: Yeah, yes, yes.
1: You know, and we we tend to think that asexual and celibate are the same. They're not. No,
2: they're not. And then
1: the differences between your biological sex or gender, Mm. your sexual identity, which is a psychological construct, Mm. your gender, which can be psychological or biological, your sexual attraction, which is psychological, Mm. your sexual behaviour, which is psychological based on maybe prior conditioning, conditioned arousal response, fantasy, whatever, Mm. and your gender expression. And gender expression we don't talk a lot about. Yeah, right. Gender expression is how you present yourself through visual symbolism and clothing to the rest of the world and the world will judge you and go, oh, that guy, he dresses too neat. He's got this and this, I bet you he's gay. Heard this, heard mm. this. Mm. And, you know, I can remember one of my other dear friends, everyone would go, isn't he gay, isn't he gay? And I'd go, what makes you think he is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just the way he talks and his voice and he's this and this. and, the and Stereotypes. Go, yeah. He's married. Mm. And he's been married for a very, very long period of time. And obviously, Mm. I think you need to rethink what gender expression means to you.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So gender expression is what others see and judge people by. And then this whole, what I'd really love to see discussions on is this focused judgment
2: Mm.
1: on the appearance of sexual sin. Mm. We assume people are involved in sexual sin. And so Christians have this rather entitled view that they have a right to know what people who don't look like they do, don't speak like they do, mm. what they do with their genitals. <laughs>
2: yes. When
1: they're not at church, I bet you they're doing X, Y, Z. And I'll go, and what are you doing in church? We've got a huge problem in Christian churches with men and pornography and, yes. and impulsive masturbation. Oh, it's huge. It's, it's huge. huge. Yes. And here we are throwing stones at somebody else. Yes. Clean up your own shop first, please. Yes. Because sexual sin isn't worse than any other kind of sin.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Wow. So
1: that's My the goodness. things I want to talk
0: about. Man, it's, it's a good list. And I can, that's just, man, it's, I mean, there's so many questions asked. There's different topics and so maybe yeah. there are whole other topics. But or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, what's, because you mentioned, well, let's just pick one. Um, so masturbation, for example. So that's...
1: Is that mutual masturbation or self-masturbation?
0: Let's, let's, let's do self. Let's talk about self. What's a theological take on self-masturbation? Yeah. Your point of view. I'm just curious. <laughs> not sure okay. if that's putting you on the spot or not, but... No,
1: it doesn't bother me. Okay. Um, it's a matter of you've got to put masturbation into a context of, um sex drive beliefs you've been taught shame guilt um availability of a sexual partner um is it a functional masturbation are you masturbating to produce sperm are you masturbating so you can sleep Hmm. because you you have been so stressed because the dopamine calms you down Hmm. um well for men um are you masturbating because you got really bad period pain and orgasm mm. helps
0: relieve the pain? With yeah,
1: progesterone. Yes. there's different things. You know, if you're talking about if you've Jesus words, if you've even looked upon another woman to lust after in your heart, and you've got to know what lust means, which mm. I'm going to get to. Yes, yes. Um, you've already committed adultery. Guess what? Um, so it's it's the actual covetousness It's the lusting after. Mm. It doesn't say if you look at her and then go, wow, God, you did a really beautiful job on her. I'm so grateful for your artwork. You've made the most beautiful thing in women or men or whatever. Mm. And you reframe your yes. desire into yes. appreciation and worship to God. Yes. It's pretty hard to have... Vivid fantasies sexually about somebody you're praying for.
0: Where, where do the role of fantasy play? Is there like a, is there a, a middle ground between one extreme, which um, uh, would turn that to whom you're fantasizing to an object, okay. and the other extreme but of I'm, going, well, you know, I, I know for I'm speaking for men, like most masturbation has at least some fantasy attached to it. Like, is there? Of a- it
1: does, and it's a matter of are you fantasizing about a person that you want to use
0: mm. and ditch. Wow, yes.
1: Fantasising about somebody who could be somebody's mother, sister,
0: mm.
1: daughter, mm. in a way that, like um, David's son, when he raped his half-sister, he lusted after her. He wanted her, and as soon as he raped her, he threw her out. Yeah. He was disgusted with her.
2: Wow.
1: And it's that attitude of consumer sex. Yes. I have a right... To fantasize about that girl or that bloke over there, I like, I'm going to masturbate thinking about Mm. them. Mm. And that is the intent of your heart. That's the intent of your spirit. Mm. Um, And I I think that's the thing that God weighs.
0: Yes. Is there a more, okay, here's here's a a question Is is there a more redeeming version of fantasy with masturbation?
1: Well, it depends. Mm. For some people who are married, and can't have penile vaginal sex mm. in a difficult pregnancy, for example. Mm. You've got mutual masturbation. Mm. Mm. Some women when they have difficult pregnancies are told don't orgasm
2: because mm.
1: it makes your, your whole pelvic area pulsate and it could bring on labour and everything like that, yeah. And then other people get told make sure you have sex right near your due date because the properties of the sperm will soften <laughs> the cervix and you're going to labour. Yeah, right, rubbish. Yeah, um, yeah. Stuff like this... Mm. Um, I th- I think I've not read a, a good theology mm. on masturbation. I think it really comes down to your motive. What mm. What is this about? Is this about self-soothing? Is this about the fantasy of using somebody? Is this mm. Is this about helping you sleep? Is this about sperm sample? Is this about dealing with pelvic congestion? What is it? Mm. Mm. Because I think we've made so much shame and guilt about this particular topic. I mean, it is safe sex, isn't it?
0: Mm, mm, yeah.
1: You don't need a condom. Yes, yes. Um. don't need a dental dam. You don't need to spend hours. Mm. It's, it's, I think it depends on the individual's conscience and what they've been taught because we're told, you know, the body for food, food to the body, but, you know, I will not be judged by any of these things. And for, for conscience sake, those who have a weak conscience, you don't eat. Meat sacrifice to idols in front of them. It's the principles of this. Yes, yes. So for some people, you know, I would rather tell young people, Mm. you know, rather than resorting to pornography, Mm. go in the bathroom. Mm. Relieve yourself of that frustration. Mm. Just don't do it 10 times a day. Yes,
0: yes, yes.
1: How do you possess your own vessel with mm. honor?
0: Yes, yes. You
1: know, how, how do you deal with that, you know? And from an, uh, from an endocrinological, you know, hormonal point of view, mm. for men, men that I see as clients get confused between sexual arousal, mm. anger,
2: mm. Yes. and yes. Of exercise. Yes, yeah. And that's
1: because they all start with the same base, mm. uh, you know, the whole adrenaline and endorphin thing and there's a very powerful feeling sexual arousal and god designed the body that way yeah it's not in itself a bad thing it's Mm. what you do with it
0: yes right
1: you know, and that's why so many guys, when they've had an argument with their partner, they'll 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 want to have make up sex, and the woman's going, "I'm still mad at you. Don't yes. touch me." Yes, because women don't work that way.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: And and it, ah, you know, because they confuse the arousal of anger or exercise with sex. Yeah, arousal. And I think there's all these other things that we need to be teaching mm. with sincerity and honesty.
0: Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a there's a Pastoral, sexual, theological, practical—everything cool. Compl- yeah. it, it's complicated. It's not it's not easy. There's yeah. a, there's both a, a universality and a case yeah. by caseness. Well, of course there is, thing. because
1: your sex drive for a bloke is strongest yeah. when you when your your androgens kick in and your testicles drop and you start having wet dreams mm. and and it's like this this urge thing mm. that's mm. been described to me. I'm not a bloke,
0: yeah, sure but, you know sure. it's been
1: described to me, and that that sexual urge can come and go over a lifetime mm. either through injury or age or pregnancy or trauma mm. you mm. know um, it can it can extreme exhaustion mental illness I don't it can come and go mm. because it's a biological process it's about. The production of hormones in your system, your endocrinal system. And so physical desire Mm. is a biological fact.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: It's a biological thing. So it's sensory. You smell smells you like. Mm. And you go, mmm. Yes. You taste things you like and it's luscious and you go, mmm. Yes. You touch somebody and you feel... Goosebumps Or whatever it is. It's sensory. Yes. And God designed the human body to be sensory. Yes. Um, Bodies aren't dirty or disgusting and Mm. neither is the sex drive. Yes, yes. It's, you know, like I said before, orgasm didn't appear after the fall. Mm.
0: Mm. No, it's interesting. And it kind of brings into my next question. And that is reservation to discussing sex is the belief that our sex drive or our desire for sex is what the Bible talks about when it talks about quote lust. So yeah, what what do we? What's the distinction uh-huh. between between having a having a healthy sex drive and even even looking at somebody and going wow? Yeah, wow.
1: God, you did a good job. Yeah, there.
0: and that that will yeah. include the sexuality as part of, that. not not re- yeah. reducing that person no. to their sex.
1: As long as you're aware, but there's still a
0: sexual. As long as you're aware
1: type. that there are limits to where that yes. where that goes. Yes, and okay. That, that yeah. whole thing of possessing your own vessel with honour. So, mm, yeah, so, looking the at the word that, lust, everyone yes. thinks lust, you lusted after this and this. And I sit there and go, man alive, so me being me, I went to the Hebrew, didn't I?
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, you've got a couple of words: um, ta'u, hit to crave or intensely long for a sinful pleasure. Such as you have this intense
2: mm.
1: pleasure that pleases you, mm. um, and Tachod uh, um, Genesis two nine, and that's where the woman lusted. She mm. desired. The word is translated desired. Desired mm. the fruit because it had been sold to her. Mm. As you will be like God, you will know good and evil. And here comes the the half truth and a lie of Satan. Yes. Well. You're not going to be like God. You already were, mm. but you will know good and evil, and that's going to be problematic. Mm. You know, you've got to figure out the half truths and the lie. Yes, and so the word used in the tenth commandment, hitu. Um, That means craving, coveting, greed, your neighbors, anything. Mm, And you mm. plan. The biggest thing is you plan to get it.
0: Wow. Yes.
1: So this is covetousness without caring for consequences. And the best example of that is David and Bathsheba, Mm. where David saw this beautiful woman Mm. And he wasn't where he was meant to be with his men on the battlefield. He was up on the roof watching yes. a woman go through her ritual mikvah, which meant that she was preparing and cleansing her body ready for her husband mm. to come home, have sex, so they could enjoy each other and perhaps have a child. Mm. He saw that and he went, go get her for me.
0: Wow. it's very, very intentional. Very, It was...
1: It was he saw her at mikvah knowing she must be married to be going through mikvah.
2: Mm.
1: And... He mm. He wanted what he wanted mm. and he took what wasn't his. Mm. And that's what Nathan the Prophet challenged him on. Yes. The little ewe lamb that yes. wasn't his. Yes. You wow. are the man. Male. Wow. And so that's that's the kind of thing. Lust is not sexual. Mm. You can lust, you know, like Egg I think is Eglud
0: mm. was mm. a
1: big fat man and yes. he lusted after food.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: And you can lust after power.
0: Mm, yes.
1: You can lust to commit sexual sin and fornication with your half sister. Mm, mm. The rape of Tamar. Um,
0: yeah, it's like, and I think that's where people often get confused. They go, if someone has a passion for their 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 significant other, they often assume that oh no, that passion is is lust. It's like no, 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 no. It is. I would say it's true that you can't have. Um, I would say it's true that you can have passion without the lust.
1: Oh, plenty of people have passion without lust, or lust without passion. Shmuley Boteach is really good on this stuff mm. kosher sex mm.
2: um,
1: from a Hebrew perspective, looking at having that that passionate, lustful desire for your wife, mm. and and maintaining your physical integrity in Mm, doing mm, so mm. Um, and then you look at the new testament oh my goodness different kinds of lust but it all goes back to the old testament which Mm. is covetousness the tenth commandment yes um, fleshly lust. Yes. This is where you really get hot for, you get passionate about, and you greedily desire yeah. in a physical and sensual way. And so that's seeing, eating, hearing, touching, and that's epithumia.
0: Yes, yes, that's right.
1: Okay, you can you can lust after money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. It comes back down to the, the intensity and the intentionality. Yeah. Yep. Because you can have a, a, a significant other to whom you, and that's going back to what I said before, you can have the passion without the lust. you can, And those two aren't the same. You can have a passion that isn't possessive. You can have oh, a passion yeah. that's, that's, self-giving, that's, that's mutually self-giving. That's looking for echad. Yes, yes that's exactly. That's looking
1: for the echad, the, the, the unity mm. of of husband and wife, that ideal, That that sort of where you... And he came to his wife mm. and the word is bo and mm. bo is is also used of orgasm.
0: Yes, wow.
1: You 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 shelter together mm. in cover mm. and something silent and something mystical can happen in that yes. that God does. Yes. And and it, it's, wow. it's a it's a an amazing thing. And yeah. the other word obviously mm. head on. head-onism. You know, you lust and you don't have, James, Mm. 24. Yes. You lust and you don't have. Mm. And that's hedonism. So you are seeking physical pleasure and you are worshipping the body. Now, we live in in a a time in history where industrialized nations worship the body. Yes. Women try and reach a physical uh, body that. You know, four to eight percent of the world's population have you know stick figures, mm. Um, mm. and and then you've got men pursuing hedonism, mm. uh, hedonism, pleasure, mm. pleasure seeking. It's all about them, and it doesn't consider mm. the consequences for the other.
0: Yes, it's it's not holistic. Because no, it, it's very it very. Devalues... It,
1: it has no consequences. Mm. Mm. And then you've got orexus, which is wrongful sexual lust. And this is the only uh, time, and this is in Romans, mm. where it talks about Romans one twenty seven. God gave them over to depraved lust, mm. doing with their bodies. But it, it is orexus. This is wrongful sexual lust.
0: Mm. Mm. Yes. It doesn't
1: say it's not forgivable, mm. by the way. Yes, yes. So lust is selfish and entitled. Yes, it is. It's for yourself. It it it's a benchmark of narcissism. Yes, it's yes. um. When you look at um managing your own sexual desire and drive, it shouldn't be about shame. Mm. It should be about recognizing this is this is the way God designed your body. Yes, and it in itself is not evil or bad. Mm. It's how you work it out with God to manage your thoughts yes. and your body in healthy ways that don't offend yourself mm. or the theology you've been raised in. Mm. Don't offend other people by using them and don't offend God. You know, it's it's actually much simpler than we think. Yes, yes. It's yes. the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And I look at that and I go, okay. And mm. then love doesn't demand its own way. Love is patient. And yes. I sit there and I go... If we look at those in the context of sexuality, mm. it's pretty clear it's not meant to be a selfish thing.
0: Yeah, it's like I, I've heard the, the analogy before that that sex drive and that that, that energy is like a fire. You know, it but is. It's, it's up to you what hey, you would do with that fire. As a
1: man. Yeah. Husband. Oh Isha yeah, it's in the, it's in the Hebrew
0: as well, isn't it?
1: Esh is fire. There yes. is a fire within a man. Yeah. There is a fire within a woman. Mm. And that fire needs to be contained by God because Ish has the yod. Yeah. Isha has the hay. Yeah. They're both letters of Yahweh. Yes. So when you have God in your sense of your yourself. Yes. Your fire is a long-term fire. It doesn't get out of control and burn other people or destroy others or yourself.
0: Yes, yes.
1: It is a fire that is regularly fueled. Yes. So I look at it and I go, sexual love in Christ mm. is mutual, mm. consensual. It delights in the beloved. It's the dance of perichoresis yes, all over yes. again. It is not shameful and it is not shaming.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: most of the clients I've seen who... Um, Christians, even
0: Mm.
1: the amount of garbage that they believe that's not biblical, and Mm. I sit there and I go, Wow, how did you come to believe that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's, I find that fascinating. How did you come to believe that? And the unfortunate
0: thing is that it's so enmeshed within the church world, it's, and, and maybe it does come back to, I mean, you mentioned patriarchy, and perhaps it is also a misunderstanding between between what Jesus means when he talks about lust and our differentiating that from healthy sex drive. Because I think we've often convoluted the two, and as a result, we think sex is dirty or bad. But actually, as...
1: Yeah, it's God made my body this way. mm. Um, And then when you go through change, especially women, when you get men on (laughs) (laughs) pause.
0: I love that. Yeah, I've heard you say that before, yes.
1: It's like, okay, so what is the function and purpose of sex in a time of great change and difficulty? Is mm. it something that grounds you and cements you in the relationship you're in? Or, you know, because I've read some great stuff on on marriage. is not about having your own way and eternal happiness and happy ever after. Marriage is about sanctification.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I, I look at that and I go, okay, so how is... What I'm going through sanctifying my husband, how is what he goes through sanctifies me, yes. and how do we make that work and retain hud.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: You know, and that's:
0: oh, it's beautiful. I've, I've some of my favorite quotes from this particular book that I, I like and on marriage, and it talks about that marriage is looking at somebody else and being passionate about what God is making them to be. Absolutely. And you babe. wanting to partner with that, partner with yeah. what God is making that be person to be. their cheer squad. Yes,
1: yes. Be their cheer squad. Yeah, absolutely, you know, because I think of how many Christians I've known who have walked away from church because, or walked away from church, mm. not necessarily walked away from trying to have a relationship with Christ, but walked mm. away from church because they were shamed. mm You know, and I'm thinking of a girl who was sexually assaulted and then the church said, well, what were you wearing?
0: Oh, dear. Oh, it's so messed up.
1: Well, there are churches that say, you know, you shouldn't be wearing this and that and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I sit there and I go, "Uh, please.
0: Yeah. Have you read Jesus? He said that... uh... (laughs) It's about the onus is about what's of, of the personal the responsibility. Inside, yeah, yeah. So how you treat somebody. I'm I've still got person. a long
1: way to go in my thinking about this. I'm mm. I'm not reached any um,
0: Sure. Yeah. I
1: am still I'm still learning from my clients mm. and, and still learning from their pain and their confusion. Mm. Um just Walking with them sometimes is enough for them to find an answer that matches their theology or their uh, conscience or something. And it's... um, Because I've had all kinds of... All of the stuff I've talked about today, I've had all of those, (laughs) including... You know ministers who are same sex attracted, and mm. those who are cross dresses in private. Mm. You know because they are very tactile and they love this the the feeling of silk and, mm. and stuff against them. And others who've got fetishes for mm. feet and mm. and um, high kinky boots and yes. yeah, all this stuff. Yes,
0: yeah. all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's it's this unspoken shameful thing. Mm. Rather than, I wonder what this means to you. Yes. How, how what's this got to do with who you are?
0: Mm, mm. Is
1: it who you are, or is it what you yes. think about?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Or is it what you're influenced by? Yes. What's the core of this? Yes,
0: yes. Wow. No, ah, no, it's wonderful. I mean, and that brings you perhaps to my last question. Yeah. And we've talked about it quite a bit, so we we might don't have to, yeah, it doesn't have to be super long, but. That's up to you actually, uh, and that is how might the church be a witness to the world, like going forward, like going forward on beyond the impasse like what what would it mean for a church to be a witness to the world in terms of sex and sexuality?
1: I think the most important thing is to be open mm. to listen to people's stories before yes. you judge them. Wow, don't look at their gender expression. Mm. get to know the story, everyone mm. has a story, everyone has a dominant narrative. And, you know, especially listening to unchurched people or people who have left church, and so many of them are so hurt, and it's one of the first things when somebody comes in and they're like this, I look at them and I go, wow. Yeah. Who hurt you?
0: Wow, yes.
1: Who let you down? hmm um, What did you really need at that time? And what would it be like for you now if you'd received that instead? mm and what would it be like for you now if you did receive that? Would there be some healing of your relationship to the church and other people? What would that be? Yes. You know, because yes. there are a lot of people who, rather than blaming people who aren't well-trained in churches, they blame Jesus. Hmm. And he's going, hey, wasn't he?
2: Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> um. I think the thing we also got to really be careful of is demonizing everything. Mm, mm. Um, Trauma and familial abuse and incest and stuff has some really rape too. They have some really nasty traumatic affect and triggers, and people can look at that and go you need deliverance ministry or you need this you've got this i've heard this Mm. oh you've got the spirit of incest and i'll go then what did the perpetrator have
0: yeah good response Mm.
1: um oh well there's parts of you that aren't saved because you've got dissociative identity disorder and i'll go and who told you you had that Mm. oh well my minister told me i had that because you know i don't remember this and this and i seem to have these differing moods and I go and what makes that person an expert Mm -hmm. you know there's so many um, harmful damaging stigmatizing horrible and cruel ways that christians can be unkind
2: Mm.
1: and it all comes out of entitlement yes well I've got Jesus in me, I can I know what's the truth, blah 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 blah. Well guess what? The truth isn't you, the truth is Jesus.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, and Jesus is one to be discovered further yeah. up and further in throughout lifetime. And
1: you know I I always err on the side of, of undeserved mercy. Yes. Mercy. It's very the attractive. It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. Yes. It is not christian judgment mm, mm. It is god's kindness and if i'm not kind and i don't listen and i don't go oh that explains that yeah i can understand why you've chosen that coping mechanism or why you have avoided this or why there's a part of you that's xyz yep mm, mm. Um, Wow. people are people yes they are v messy
0: yes wow
1: they are still the image of god yeah and he is absolutely passionately and in- invested yes in them and I don't want to be somebody who isn't
0: yes oh, amen seeing the image of God yep in the other yep and mercy over judgment
1: yep
2: yeah yeah.
1: so that's why the church has got to start pulling the socks up in this department
0: absolutely especially listening to people's stories as well because we are not just sexual beings but certainly as you said before a part of who we are our makeup as human beings and so, this is why I think this this topic has been so important today. Because mm. if we if we as the church can't reckon with talking about sex and sexuality, yep. we're actually not talking about a huge part of who we are as as or who image we bearers. Think we are. Mm. Yes. So, thank you so much, Sandra, for talking today. You are today.
1: welcome,
0: young Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> young Padawan. Ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, thank you so much, and. Uh, Yeah, hope everyone enjoys. Me too.